Welcome to the Best Work Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Henley-Smith. The goal of this show is to uncover the personal stories of successful software engineers, founders, thinkers and leaders who are all navigating their own working journey. Finding our best work is often a hidden journey, uncovered through an ongoing conversation with ourselves and the world around us. Every one of these episodes is packed with timeless ideas you could apply to your own life. In this conversation, I speak to Maria Bogoy, the head of product at Spill. Spill provide mental health support that employees actually use, access through internal tools like Slack and Teams. Maria studied at Oxford, was previously a software engineer at Microsoft and a product manager at Monzo. Yet despite being a chronic high achiever, or perhaps because of it, she deeply questions the meaning of work to her. We explore the core pillars of motivation, the difference between your experiencing self and your reflective self, and how therapy gave her the space for unconditional positive regard and heightened her own self-knowledge. We discuss the concept of narrow framing and using it to recognize personal perspective, reconciling the multiple parts of ourselves needed to work and becoming the shape of the work that we do, both physically and mentally. Rather than collecting the names of the companies she has worked for like badges and living from the outside in, Maria decides to live from the inside out. Our conversation ultimately reveals how love can become the guiding light to work by infusing work with value that no one else can question. We're all on a journey to be the source of our own value and Maria's story shows us how our search for the work that we want to do might be better thought of as an ongoing pursuit of the person we hope to become. I have changed career very deliberately. Uh, I was a software engineer for many years. And when I left Microsoft to come back to London, to move back to London, I took a year out with the intent purpose of figuring out what I wanted to do for the rest of, I don't know, my 30s, I suppose. Mm. And and so during that time, I was, yeah, I kind of got quite nerdy about how to approach this question, you know, about, down to interviewing people about various careers. I went and I talked to them, and tried to figure out, you know, how they felt about their choices and going to meetups and talking to lots of people and doing lots of research as well, like what, what makes a good choice of, of work. So, so yeah, so I've, I've, I've actually spent quite a lot of time with this question. How did you know where to start? Mm, well, I didn't. And I think that was part of the problem. It, you, it, you have, yeah, I guess there is no, no real starting point. I had the luxury of time, which I realize is in itself a privilege because, you know, I think when life is busy, it can be difficult to find a headspace to, to, to pause, to think, to be curious about things. So I had the ability to, I had the time to, to just 
search and read. And I think I started fa fairly generically, you know, just with, with the Google search, how most things in life start, mm -hmm. you know, how, what to do, what, what to do about work. How do you find, how do you find what it is that you want to do? And I read a few books. I think one of the earliest books I read was one from School of Life. I think, I can't quite remember the name of it, but I would be able to. So how to find fulfilling work. Yeah, yeah, I, that probably was it. I, I think that might have actually been it. Yeah, so trying to, to read about it, I think I came across 80,000 Hours, this charity that is trying to match people with, with meaningful work. So I read some of their materials. Um, I think I went to a workshop maybe the, about how to, you know, find work that's meaningful. Just consuming a lot of content, I guess, from TED Talks, from people who ha had something to say on this topic of, of what mm -hmm. is meaningful. So I started very wide. I cast the net quite wide. And and it, I think, you know, I think it's a self-discovery process at the same time because, yeah, I think... There is something in, you know, when you cast, when you look at the world, there's all of this infinite amount of information. So what it is that grabs your attention and happens to pull you in and you spend some time with it is probably saying something about something within yourself, you know, a need maybe that it speaks to or, or something but that's within you that meant that thing caught your attention. So, yes, that's why I ended up reading books like How to Find Fulfilling Work because I think I was at a point where... I had, I had, you know, my early 20s, I had more pragmatic things to consider, such as, you know, how do I pay my debt? And, you know, how do I um, help out financially in my family? Think, things like that. Thinking about the, you know, how, how do I make a living? How do I gain skills? How do I make it into this world of work? But then once I had achieved some of those things, I came to the harder questions, such as what, what do I want to do? Which is a pretty daunting question, I think. I think it's, it's one of these questions that when you start pulling at it, it starts to unravel a lot of things. Yeah, and it, it you know, has to do with really what motivates you. And I remember around that time I, I, I wrote this whole uh, article for myself on what what motivates me you know what's intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation and why do I do things and this then took me into understanding things such as like the difference between your experiencing self versus your reflective self the things that you do because they they feel good and they're satisfying in and of themselves and the things that you do because of the 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 outcome and so yeah i would say it was a holistic process of getting to know myself and getting to know what was available and once i educated myself about the problem then it became a little bit easier to formulate questions there's this kind of a, a, a cycle right you sort of start wide you read a few things generically by reading those things, you then are better able to formulate the next question. And then the next question becomes more 
more specific and then that gives you more information and then the next question becomes more specific and you just kind of gradually refine your search until you find what you, what you need yeah sounds like there's almost like a seesaw at yeah. the beginning of your time you were focused on something different but then you had this period of time where you're able to reflect and then go through that exploration how did you know when that moment was or did it just did it just come hmm good question I think did I know kind of I mean I think it, it came to a point where I felt ready to to rejoin the working world. I think work is a, yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's such a big part of our lives that you, you really do feel a little bit alienated from the world when you're not working. I remember walking down in the city of London in one of my this days on this period when I wasn't working and just was so struck by how purposefully everybody was walking, you know, from A to B, beelining from one thing to the next thing. And everyone felt so purposeful and like they really, really belonged there. And, and I was just there <laughs> bumping yeah. about, not quite knowing what to do with my time because I didn't have anything I had to do. So there was that sentiment in not working of being slightly disconnected from the world. And I think partly I... After some time, I came to the point where I was like, I actually, I need to come back into work because I need to reconnect with the world a little bit. So at the point at which I got that sentiment of, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready to come, come back now. The point at which I'd got with all my thinking around what to do was where I landed. You know what I mean? It's a little bit like when you're in an exam, you're kind of trying to like mm. write an essay or something and then time's up and then you're like, well, I guess this is my conclusion. <laughs> mm. um, so I, I would say that was where I got to at that time. And it, it's a work in progress. I mean, where I landed basically was to go into product um, specifically. And, you know, now I'm also training to be a counselor. So I, I think... Uh, it's mm. an ongoing journey like who knows what, where I'll be in another three four five years time and by by anyone's standards the point at which you you you, you took a step out of work you were successful you'd graduated from Oxford you'd been a software engineer at Microsoft like but a lot of other people would think out externally oh my goodness Maria's really made it did it not feel like that? But maybe it's because it did feel like that, that I started asking myself all these existential questions. Because, you know, the thing with pursuing goals is that you kind of go from, oh my God, I've achieved the goal to, oh, oh my God, I've achieved the goal. <laughs> you know, what now? And I think I did have a, a moment when I was at Microsoft where I just saw the many working years in front of me just stretching out into the future, you know, like this endless valley. And it I don't know, just the the nature of 
those the time just the stretch of those years it really hit me because I think up to that point it I didn't really have a sense of time because it was this constant leveling up it's like I've got to hit this goal and then this goal and then this goal and then this goal and it was a bit like playing a computer game you're just kind of chasing the next thing but then I'd go to the a, a point where the next thing was it was just more of the same for a very 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 long time and and suddenly yeah, these existential questions crept up of like, wait, hang on a minute, like, what am I doing? You know, like, what? It's a bit like when you play a game and then you've you've sort of reached a a bit of a plateau where you've you've kind of completed the campaign or something, and you're like, hmm, I've been playing this for a while. <laughs> you know, is there is there anything else I'm missing? And you're like, hmm, I think I'm thirsty. I probably haven't eaten in like days. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of sentiment. You sort of wake up from this daze and you you start to wonder like what 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 you're doing so I think yeah there's successful and they're successful and and I think that's why one of the first questions I grappled with is like what constitutes like what's where's this motivation come from because and I was in therapy at the time and it you know one of the themes probably that I explored the most was was you know where where does meaning come from where does motivation come from and there's you know I think I had up to that point I'd been living my life very outside in you know I was, I was thinking in terms of the milestones and the what you, you know what does this look like on on my CV and you know it's it a little bit like collecting badges or something it's a little bit like a game and and then you know, you then pause to think, okay, but what about living from the inside out? What what would that look like? What what motivates me? What's what's intrinsically meaningful? Now, I don't want to make it sound like it's this dichotomy because it, it's a bit more nuanced than that. You know, there were a lot of things that I was doing for intrinsic motivation. For example, one of my top intrinsic motivation things is problem solving. I really like problem solving. It's really satisfying to me. So because I'd been doing that as as part of this, it, some of my intrinsic motivation needs were being met. Um, but, but you know, others hadn't. And so, yeah, I think when you start to question, okay, what is it that constitutes good? Like, what is the goal? I suppose when you move from pursuing a goal to then questioning what the goal should be, and then deciding what the goal should be, that's when the journey changes a little bit, right? Because then you're less about executing and thinking, okay, how do I hit the goal most efficiently to, okay, what's worth pursuing? <laughs> Which is a whole nother question. Uh, and maybe not actually now that I'm speaking uh, accidental that I went into product from engineering. Because I guess engineering is like, okay, this is the goal. How, how do I achieve it? And what's the implement you know best implementation and and so yeah i guess kind of a constraints resolution problem maybe whereas product is okay what should we build what's worth building <laughs> at the time how did you know you wanted to go into product and then join monzo mm, i don't know about knowing that i wanted to do product i i, I tried all sorts of things during that year I think in the end, the way I narrowed it down 
was I, I yeah one of the things that helped me make the decision was I think I thought about what it was that I wanted to how I wanted to develop I remember read, either reading this or hearing this somewhere it really really stuck with me but it the uh, the point I was making was that we become our work as in the work that we do shapes our worldview and it shapes us you know I went to an osteopath recently and and he used a very similar phrase he was like you know we become the shape of the work that we do in a very literal sense mm-hmm. uh, you know if you're a tennis player you can develop one side more than the other so you have to rebalance train the other side you're sat at a desk <laughs> like we are now you know you become the shape of the work that you do in a very literal sense and I think it, you do it in a physical sense also in a, in a psychological sense and this article was saying you know uh, if you um, I don't know if you become if you if you work as a I don't know, let's say journalist, I think that was the example they gave, um, then then by by professional habit, you're you're used to kind of questioning people, you know, maybe being a bit cynical about people's motivations because you're constantly trying to kind of dig dig stuff out and, and get to the truth of things. And then that shapes the way that you're used to looking at the world and encountering it. And to some extent, we shape the way the world manifests to us and by the expectations and the worldview we bring to it. Um, you know, equally, if you're... I don't know a teacher, and and you spend all day trying to think about how to how to find the best in people and how to nurture that in people. Then then you're going to be taking that approach to to other encounters, um, and, and I think that was the other example that article gave about about teachers, which is obviously it's a little bit um, what um, making a bit of a what's the word like. A, more kind of a cartoon drawing I'm, you know I'm sure there's elements in journalism that aren't like this and elements in teaching that aren't like this but roughly speaking I, I noticed this actually with counseling because in training to be a counselor I see myself thinking about the same things in my day-to-day interactions you know how do you um, have an authentic encounter with someone how do you set your ego aside so that you can really listen to people how do you you know just this awareness of interpersonal dynamics so I think it's true that you become the shape of the work that you do and at the time this really really struck me so then my question changed from what do I want to do uh, to what kind of person do I want to be what what is it that Mm. who, who do I want to be and then that made it a little bit easier because then I thought well I think I think I know what I want I think I want to become more uh, people oriented I'm quite an introvert naturally and tend to withdraw from the world uh, as a kind of natural inclination. So I thought, you know, I actually want to, I want to lean into the world a bit and I want to work more with people and figure out how to do all that. And um, yeah, and, and again, I, this, I, I want to figure out what to do rather than how to do it. So this was an, another aspect of it. Uh, and I think it's because I, I wanted to, I guess, live more deliberately and be more resolute and make more choices and own them. And so that played into it. And there was also an element of, okay, what, what, what kinds of things do I want to develop? What kinds of skills, what kinds of aspects of myself do I want to develop? It's a little bit like, you know, which muscles do you want to work? And, um, and then, you know, cross-reference that with what's... Op- 
available to me, what's possible for me, because one of the things I discovered trying to change career is that your background really limits the the options that you have. Not because you wouldn't be able to do a job, you know, just straight up kind of skills wise, but because a lot of jobs, you know, when, when you go through that screening process, people are used to seeing an archetypal type of CV. And then if you haven't got that CV, they're, they're like, hmm, this person doesn't quite, I don't know, match what I'm looking for. So then it becomes less likely to, to get through. Um, so I just mean kind of professionally, it's like, I don't know, um, like I worked in the tech industry for a long time. So I have like a very familiar CV to anyone recruiting in the tech industry. They'll kind of go tick, tick, you know, recognize the names. We know who they are. You know, they know, they know who Monzo was, for example. But if I tried to get a job in, I don't know, um, a civil service maybe, or like a public institution, let's say I'm trying to think of a different realm, they might be looking for different brand names, you know, different companies, different type of ex work experience that they're used to seeing on, on the types of people that they're recruiting for. And I would le look less typical and therefore I'd be less likely to 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 get those jobs so i have found that actually you know probably if i want to do all of this work with people the, the example for me specifically was you know counseling like if i wanted to be a counselor i i couldn't have just gone and been a counselor having been an engineer one of the first things that, that you have to talk about when you apply for therapy training is you know kind of prove that you have interpersonal skills and you've worked with people and things like that and be like i'm sorry but you've been a software engineer the archetypal job of someone who does not work uh, with a lot of people a lot of the time so so if i was wanting to move more towards working with people the immediate step available to me was to move into a more people-oriented role but within the realm of what I had been doing. So like I said, kind of taking the list of things I was interested in developing uh, in myself and, you know, like I said, the, what person do I want to be? Cross-reference with what's possible for me, given what I've been doing so far. Product management. So here, so here I am. <laughs> and at that time, how do you balance your intrinsic motivations and your external motivations and how do you know for sure which one is which what a great question ah where do you even begin i mean as i'm pausing to think so many things flash through my mind i mean you know snippets of heidegger talking about resoluteness snippets of nietzsche talking about you know this being certain and and sure about owning your choices and being very resolute in the world um snippets of oh i don't know daniel kahneman talking about the uh actually maybe it wasn't daniel kahneman but this this difference between the reflective self and the uh, experiencing self which is basically this difference between intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation what a fantastic question um the answer, I guess, it's a work in progress. <laughs> I think it's, it's, you know, sometimes I, I think of, we have this, we say the self and we say the I as if it's this single congruous entity that thinks and wants a single thing at a time. 
but actually a, a metaphor, a better metaphor for me in thinking about reconciling all these different needs is to think of me as we, what do we want? And then there will be a diff, you know, some, some part of me will want, the reflective self will want the thing that looks good in retrospect. And then the experiencing self will want the thing that feels good to do at the time. And how do you reconcile different people that want different things? I mean, I think how you do it in a political project, right? How you do it in life in general, like you try to establish a dialogue between your different selves and then have each part be heard and then see if there's a solution that would work for everybody. And if not, maybe you take turns and you do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I think, and yeah, it's a it's work in progress because you're constantly having that conversation. You know, I never, I never uh, really, yeah, I never really finish having it. Because like, both things are valuable. Like I think it's valuable to pursue this the reflective self. I mean, it makes it sound a little bit um, I don't know what shallow. Maybe you can like looking outside in and you know does it look good in retrospect? But it's not quite that. I think it's it's more maybe the reflective self is able to 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 appreciate things that take a long time to achieve you know that they might not be enjoyable every step of the way but then it's really nice to have at the end like i don't know learning a language for example uh it, it's the result that is very satisfying um how do i do this on a day to day i i guess i i do try to be um, yeah, kind of compassionate towards each of my needs and, and make sure I do make a little bit of space for each of them. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have my projects that are like, you know, this is, is difficult to do. It's outside of my comfort zone, but I want to do it and I want to achieve it. And then there will be things like, you know, I, I really want to, to, to play with this and <laughs> give myself a little bit of time to do that. What brought you to the end of your journey at Monzo? Uh, well, I mean, one of the things that you discover, or at least I have discovered as a product person, is that you uh, become quite bound with your problem domain. I mean, I still get messages on LinkedIn being like, do you want to work at a fintech startup? And I'm like, no, I haven't done that in three and a half years. <laughs> um, and and again, this question of what, what do I, I want to know lots about? And in my long research, one the things that came up is things like like biggest problems that the world has, and the top three things that uh, came up were something to do with climate change. That's a big problem. Um, something to do with education, and something to do with mental health. Like those were kind of the the top three, or at least the top three I remember. And. I thought, well, actually, my mom's a teacher, so you know, education was was definitely short, on the short list for me. But um, but yeah, mental health was was the one that mattered the most for me. And at that time, I was already considering starting my psychotherapy training, which is a kind of big life decision in itself. Uh, it's a very long 
long time in the making. So yeah, it kind of, it it made sense. And what happened next? Because it's not straightforward to take your passion and your skill and mix the two together. How did you go about finding that mix? Mm. Well, I mean, I think... I think partly... Maybe that was the point at which I had, I tried to set my my ego to the side a little bit, because you know, in everything I've described so far, it feels quite me centric. It's like, what what do I want to do? What kind of person do I want to be? A me, 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 um, with a little bit of like what or we, or we, <laughs> yes, correct, um, or, or with with combined a little bit with what, what does the world need? But actually. I think the philosophy that's worked best for me is to, to try to get out of my own head a little bit. And, I, you know, I, I I call it narrow framing. It's a concept I found quite useful. You know, narrow framing is where you you kind of take a small picture of reality and, and you sort of think that it's that's the whole of reality and then you loom very large in that small picture because, you know, you are in your head a lot. But actually, when you when you open the vista and, and you frame more widely, you kind of realize, you know, you're just one person in the world, and everyone's just trying to get by and live their lives, and you know, it's it's all basically fine. And and I think when you take that approach of just everything that happens to me is not about me, and it's not all about me, then. Um, then that changes the, the frame with which you encounter, or maybe it changes a little bit how you encounter the world. And so to, on this question of, okay, how do you take your skills and marry it with your passions? I think I, I, I stopped doing that, you know, I, I kind of started the other way around and I thought, well, look, I, I kind of know what, what I, how I want to encounter every day. I, I have a grounding in the kind of person that I want to be. And then I'm going to just look around and, and see where is there a problem to be solved? You know, so then it stops being about me. I was just looking around and being like, who needs help? <laughs> Quite literally, <laughs> who needs help? And actually, you know, with Spill at the time, it was very much, you know, can I, I think I can help here. I think I, I, I can actually, and it wasn't even work, I, I, it was, I started, volunteer it was volunteering just been like okay well you've got this problem like i think i can help with it let's 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 solve the problem so and i think i don't know i think if you keep that in the back of your mind it's like i know who i am and what i want and then you just look for problems that need solving then it i don't know i think the match matching happens just of its own accord how do you reconcile that against the world's need for specialization? It's almost easy to say when you've got a skill, but hard when you don't. The world's need for specialization. Hmm. I'm not, so I'm wondering how, which direction 
we were thinking of taking this question. So what are you saying that it's it's difficult to to do that if you're highly specialized? So it's, I think it's easier to do that if you're highly specialized. So if you can look around you and offer your help if you have a way to help. Um but there are it almost comes from that place of you already have that skill so you can give that help whereas what happens if you don't have that skill mm -hmm. yeah it's funny you say that because i never really i never really thought of myself as being like particularly skilled uh, at something uh, i don't know i think with with because <laughs> when you i don't know i, I find I, I the the i find the product skill set to be so elusive it's like, what is it exactly that we do? It's like a kind of bringing together of people. It's, so I think, you know, in my mind, I, I kind of would compare myself to, I don't know if you're a doctor and you go to Doctors Without Frontiers or something, and, or Doctors Without Borders. And, and mm -hmm. you have very specific skill set, very specific problem, and you just solve it. Whereas I was thinking, the, the way I experienced myself, certainly, it wasn't that, oh, here I'm like a highly skillful person with a very specific right. skill bringing it to this problem. I think I experienced myself more as I am someone willing to work hard and I really care about helping you. Mm. <laughs> and and if those two things are true, then I don't know, we're going to find a way to, something good's going to come out of it. Mm. And if we become the shape of our work, how has working on a problem that you care deeply about shaped who you become now? I don't know. I'm happier. <laughs> I think that's a start. Yeah, yeah. But what? How does it shape you? I don't know. I think. I mean, at spill as well. I, I, I you're just. I don't know, you're just constantly, you see the best of humanity. You, you know, I, I used to, I, I think, just be, I don't know, more more cynical about things. And for example, one of the things that really struck me working at Spill is that we were working with businesses to offer mental health support. And I was thinking, oh, there's got to be a business interest why, why these people buy Spill. Surely, you know, what's the economic incentive or something? And you know, after dozens and dozens and dozens of interviews, it began to dawn on me. It's like I actually think people just care. <laughs> like I think they 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 genuinely just wanna help people. And yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think this line of work has certainly exposed me to a you know a positive side of of humanity and also just in therapy like people I think if you come to therapy you, you've already made some choices you know you've made a choice to say something like life's difficult and it's hard and I'm in pain but I'm going to do something about it and I'm going to work at it and I'm not going to give up and that in itself is really inspiring and yeah I think I, think, I don't know it's just it's very very cool so yeah, I think I have, it certainly fulfilled my expectation. I thought, well, uh, working in mental health, working in therapy, well, working in a helping kind of field, you're going to encounter the positive side of life. And, and I have, <laughs> hence I'm happier. <laughs> How has therapy helped you find your best work? Mm. 
Oh my goodness, in so many ways. I mean, there's a huge component of self-knowledge, right? Just, just knowing yourself, knowing what you want, being able to unpack what it is that drives you, what's yours, what's your parents, you know, what's your peers, what belongs where, what forces have come to shape you. It's a huge journey of introspection to understand what it is that motivates you. I mean, it took me, you know, six months of deliberate thought just to be able to formulate to myself that, you know, maybe these are the sorts of things I'd like to do. So I think it's it's that. I think it's also, it. You know, one of the things the therapy does really well is it gives you this this space of unconditional positive regard, which is safe. You know, it's a safe haven. And, and I think you really need that when you're going out exploring and out of your comfort zone and trying new things and changing things, changing career. You need a place of safety that where you can come back and regroup and refuel and regain I don't know, energy, hope. <laughs> so, so, so there's that too. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think we, I think the third thing would, would maybe be the fact that we, we think by speaking a lot of the time. I certainly do a lot, I think, by speaking. And it's one of the reasons you can't do therapy on yourself, you know? I think someone actually even asked me, it's like, well, you're training to be a counselor, a therapist. Can you, do you need, do you need someone else to do therapy? And the answer is yes, you do. Something about someone's attention draws things out of you that would not otherwise come up. up. There's this really wonderful quote, I won't remember exactly in a paper I read recently, that says something like, does does the parent listen because the child speaks or does the child speak because the parent listens you know and sometimes we do speak because someone listens to us if you if you offer someone a moment of silence they'll come to it and into it and speak into it and in doing that they will you know, articulate things that are latent in their minds and discover things about themselves. And you really need that, yeah, to to be able to think clearly about these really, really complicated questions, you know. What's worth doing in life? Who are you? What is this whole thing about? As you, you talk through fair. all that, does your mind reflect on a particular moment or a conversation that you had with uh, regards or on the topic of what yeah just a wonder as you talk through your unconscious to ask this question because it's to do with therapy which is private but as you as you talk through it like i would i would love to know what moments you're reflecting on in your own experience there and if you'd share them uh yeah i'm happy to i mean i'm i i tend to speak quite openly about these things um but so let me see if i get the question right you're saying if in those moments of reflections are there particular 
what moments from my history of therapy that stand out that were particularly meaningful. So when you've been finding your best work and you've been exploring it, um, when you're talking through how much of a difference that's made and and the different ways it's it's made a difference, what what moments are you reflecting on there? Like what what was the what was the story at that time? What situation uh, were you in? Let me see if I might be answering a slightly different question here. But one thing that, that popped into my mind as you were saying this, you know, in this journey of figuring out what to do, I do remember this one conversation I had with my therapist a couple of years ago that really, I still refer back to it now and again. He, I was, I was, um, the, the the context was that I was debating this thing about, you know, um, oh, here's a good way to think of it. You know, joining a startup. I'd been working for, you know, big brand company up to that point. And the thing with brands is they're, they're a kind of a shorthand, communicate something about you. You know, it's like, oh, you've, you've, you've been associated with this brand. You must have had roughly this kind of experience. And it's a, it's, it's a, I don't know. It's like a, an insurance policy. It's like, well, you know, um, working at, let's say, uh, a high tech company makes it more likely to get the job in tech or whatever. It's safe, and and it's this, you know, this brand. And and I was, I, I whereas you know, if you say, for example, go work for a startup, you know, by definition, uh, they'll they'll be less known, less established. They're they're a startup after all, and so there's a risk there. You know, there's a you know, will people know what, what what work this company did? Will it stand out in the same way? And um, and and so there were. And the conversation with my therapist was around. You know, how, like I was still in that mindset of badge collecting. You know, oh, Oxford, Microsoft. I've got to take some, some you know, collect these names that are going to somehow communicate to the world that I'm okay. <laughs> It's okay, I belong here. And uh, and then he reflected back to me this, you know, w- what what constitutes w- where where um, I don't know, like where value comes from, and and this in the fact that in in as- ascribing value to these brand names, I was living from the outside in. You know, I was taking the world's established conclusion about what constitutes valuable. And, 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 and I was delegating to the world the decision of what it is that is valuable. And then he said, you know, what, how, about, how, how about the other way around, inside out? And I said, I don't know what that looks like. What do you even mean? <laughs> you know, uh, the, the, try to explain to a chronic high achiever what it means to not be meeting other people's expectations. And he says... Well, love, you know, like what you love by loving something, you infuse it with value. He says, you know, I love the work I do, therefore it's valuable to me and no single soul in the world can tell me otherwise. Love is a a way of ascribing value to something. And it completely blew my mind. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) 
so many things. You're saying I can be the source of what constitutes value. I can make that decision by loving. Wow. Because what that then does is it opens up so many possibilities. You're not no longer choosing from a menu that someone else has drawn up for you. This is valuable. This is valuable. This is a worthwhile career. This is a worthwhile company to work for. You get to pick. It's incredible. It's, yeah, it's, it, it completely changed the way I thought about everything. So to give you an example of a conversation. <laughs> oh, I feel like I need a moment to like get over what you said there. Yeah, it's a really nice idea. I refer back to it from time to time. Because I think it, it ties into, yeah, it, it, I think we don't realize how much power we carry within ourselves by mm. carrying this capacity mm. for loving mm. and for mm. caring. You know, I mean, love in the very kind of general sense of just ca caring very deeply about something. Um, it's very, very powerful. And it's almost like a light. It's like, um, you know, when you have a fire and if you've ever like kind of camped and there's like a fire and... In, in in the night like you 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 know on a beach somewhere like people walking past will just come to it you know it just attracts people and i think i think it, that the same thing happens in work if you ever encounter someone who really 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 cares about a problem it just it it's like a light it just draws people in it's like whoa i need to i, I whatever this is and, and i think people don't even know what it is it's like a it's like a heat it's like a light a warmth it's like this this passion I mean, we call it passion, but yeah, it, it, and then it just makes you want to get involved and be like, "Hey, I, I want to be here. Let's let's care about it together." It's really it's cool. If we've we've all been spotlights, then that person is like a floodlight. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think exactly, and I think I think the thing to realize is that we all have the p potential to be floodlights. Yeah. You know. Because we're all human, and it's a intrinsic human capacity. It sounds really related to expanding your narrow framing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, whenever I try to think wide frame, I always feel much more reconnected with this kind of energy. I don't know. Um, it's as if the narrow framing comes from that external motivation and those badges that you picked up, but the broadening it comes from inside you somehow. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, you know, in therapy, there is this idea of, of thinking of whether you think of yourself as an object or whether you think of yourself as a, as a thou, as a, I don't know, a universe upon itself this powerful subjective experience and i think there is something in yeah there's something a bit reductive i think in in thinking of yourself as as what a a, a wall upon which to pin things a, 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 an object to be measured and graded i mean it, it's a bit reductive whereas when you when you expand and you kind of think in terms of you know we're all just trying to get through life in, in, in a good mm. way, 
it, it just connects you with the fact that like, you know, at the end of the day, you really cannot compare to lived experiences. It's just not logically possible. It's, it's I don't know, two completely vast universes. Like where do you, where do you even begin to like find a common denominator upon which to, to compare those things? It's, it's, it's too much. So, and then, yeah, I think that that frees you a little bit because yeah, it allows you to, to think, well, yeah, it, it, it grounds you more, I suppose, in your own um, in your own choices, I guess, and what you you kind of value. And has this search for you made you more content? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't want to sound. I don't know. Like I'm some on some sort of like top of the hill, having resolved all all my um, existential woes. It's t totally work in progress, and it's not as good days and bad days. But yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think it's just. I guess I. I feel like I live with a little bit more conviction, just a bit more deliberately, like Thoreau. <laughs> Go to the mm. woods to live deliberately. Mm. Uh, except I've come to London to live deliberately. <laughs> not quite as uh, what. Uh, the word doesn't come to me. Lush and green as as a. I think he'd he'd approve in his own way. <laughs> yeah, we do have a myland cemetery, which is you know a nature reserve. So good enough. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, well, thank you for listening. It's uh, co-created the story. It's the best work podcast is produced by the team at Cord. I'd love your advice on how we can make sure the Best Work podcast is having a profound impact on the way we all pursue our best work. Email me at bennettcord.co. You can also find a transcript of this conversation, insightful video content and more at cord.co slash insights. Thanks for listening.